Okay, everybody, we're back. That's right, we lost some ships. Uh, Paul Brass and Viviana. Yeah. And uh, today we're doing probably the last Gottman episode. We're calling this one Gottman Endgame. (laughs) God, yes. The highest grossing uh, podcast of all time. That's right. It's going to pass up. uh, Yeah, but only because we, what did they do? They re-released it or something. Oh, did they? I, I think know. they they released it again. Yeah. Um, uh, I had to do something to pass they, up uh, Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, which frankly wasn't as good of a well. Yeah, that's it, my. But I, opinion, I didn't but... even watch the whole thing. I've only seen <laughs> parts of it on TV. But yeah, critics didn't like it as much. Yeah. Nor did I. It was it was the 3D sales that put Avatar over the. I mean, anyway. Yeah. Although if yeah. you if you normalize if you normalize by. Uh, by uh, dollar value or whatever by inflation, supposedly none of these oh yeah Casablanca or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, but that's yeah. right. Relationships, the only podcast where you come expecting to learn hear about relationships and we talk about movies. That's right. <laughs> well, we're getting stuff right in and talk about relationships again. Yeah. So we're continuing our discussion of uh, John Gottman's research uh, on uh, marriage and divorce and predictors. Um, the link to the video is in the description of the episode. And we are talking about the conflict aspect because previously we talked about four horsemen, which are kind of inescapable, but how there are masters and disasters. So people who are skilled and people who are unskilled at handling those constructively. Uh, we talked about friendship, um, which is what helps to insulate a, a marriage. Or, or by extension, any close relationship, because this is relevant for all people, single or not, um, that uh, friendship helps to, to make conflict either less frequent or less damaging to the relationship. Um, and then conflict itself, you know, what, what conflict looks like in the most um, intractable uh, scenarios and what can be done about that. And spoiler alert, well, except we already talked about it last time, but the answer isn't necessarily a non-answer, which is your partner just has a character defect and and nothing can be done. That's actually not as true as people <laughs> are inclined to think it is. Yeah. Yep. You're not getting a free pass. That's it's right. It's just everybody else's problem. We all have yeah. struggles. Like, I handled everything perfectly in the relationship. I did everything right. Everything. Because mm-hmm. I've mastered relationships. And the other person... They're just a narcissist, and nothing could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. So not not to, not to say that it, it always takes two to tango. Yeah, sure. So the good news from uh, last time, you know, you remember we talked about how sixty nine percent of the time problems are unsolvable. Well, we got some good news. Yes, thirty one percent of the time yes. they are yes. solvable. Those are separate findings. You might you might have you might have done that math on your own. But with us, you didn't need to. <laughs> exactly. We took advanced math classes to, be able to, to come up with that. That's right. Yeah, I aced that class in in uh, addition and subtraction of percentages. I aced it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I think we talked about this briefly in an earlier episode. I know Viviana had brought this up in an earlier episode, but that masters. So when we talk about masters versus disasters, right? Masters are good at bringing things up in a gentle way 
I think you called it something like a gentle startup. Or soft something. startup. Soft startup. Soft That's startup. right. Soft startup. Yeah. Softened startup. Well, hold uh, on. Let's go back a little bit. Wait. Oh, that's true. We, we need to. We need to. Okay. Well, we just, just as far as like, oh, sorry. I feel like I'm maybe repeating myself, but we'll go, we'll from, go. a, from a minute ago, maybe not. Okay. But like, you know, the most intractable conflicts, it's, they, we call them gridlocked uh, right. conflicts. And it's like two fists, closed fists are butted up against each other. No one knows what to do. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You know, and those tend to be the ones that, that either won't be solved um, or, or, but, or at best we can just like learn to, to live with it. But, but that's important too, being able to learn to live with things that can't be easily resolved. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know which ones I'd, I think that the thing that I keep asking myself is, uh, what are some things that I would like to live with that I, that are not solvable? Uh, because, hmm. uh, like you mentioned earlier in the other podcast is, uh, was it Paul who mentioned that Gottman said something like the, the, the uh, the reason why relationships, uh, last has to do with the fact that they are willing to uh what's it called it has yeah, to do you... with how much you can withstand the irritable qualities of your spouse something right. like that yeah um, yeah yeah i don't know i was just thinking about i was just reflecting on my personal life and thinking wow what are some things that i would really just really hate to live with <laughs> sorry well, i got lost in, in some i thought. can I can tell you some things, some problems that I'm willing to tolerate. Okay. If my wife is too attractive or too rich or too <laughs> funny <laughs> or, or uh, yeah, anyway, those are a few examples. I'm willing to accept those. <laughs> no, but you know, honestly, in the dating world, this is something I've tried to, to consciously um, uh, improve at as well, right? Like. Um, not that we shouldn't have deal breakers, but I think it's easy to have overly, uh, overly inclusive, deal, an overly inclusive list of deal breakers. <laughs> I, I think it's not, it tends to lead to an unrealistic expectation and to prolonged singleness. Paul was going to say Yeah, something. I think there's truth in that, that um, it, can, it can sometimes seem like the things that are annoying to us or that are uh or that are not that we can't seem to deal with that there's we can have too big of a list there i think it's true yeah. that we need to sometimes be realistic you know yeah my sister pointed out one time um that like all the problems that you have that you struggle with a person before you get married she said they all kind of get amplified after you get married that's what she said. And uh, I think in, in a specific relationship, whatever yeah, specific the issues there are going to be even exactly. more burdensome. Yeah, the things that are hard for you that maybe are annoying for you in the relationship, they might be more amplified once you're actually in a marriage. Yeah, and, totally. Know, spending believable. more time together. And, yeah. And so, yeah, I think like Viviana was talking about, like, um, uh, sure, it's, we. 31% of problems or of, of, of conflict can be resolved. The, we have to kind of, we, to some extent, we might have to have an open mind about like, well, what things can or can't we live with? There might be more that we can live with than we think, you know? Yeah. Um, 
the. I think it's hard to know if she's ahead not rich. Of time. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. If she's not rich, maybe you can be okay with that. Maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll see. <laughs> Just hopefully she doesn't feel the same way about me, <laughs> or hopefully she can tolerate me not being rich until I become rich, and then That's right. anyway. Um. Anyway, yeah. So. That's right. So anyway, as far as the softened startup, so these are these are um, um, he he said that these are ways that um, masters um, approach approach conflict. So um, that they use a gentle, um, like a gentle way of broaching the issue. So a, a gentle or a soft softened startup is what he says. So for example, Viviana, can you give us an example of a softened startup? Uh. Well, we could talk about Paul's roommate who didn't do the dishes. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Usually, right. usually he goes, "Hey, you idiot! I hate you! You didn't do the dishes." Right. That is not a soft startup. Or he could be uh, passive aggressive and put a post-it note like, "Do your dishes, please," or whatever. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. But I guess I could, I could leave a broke. I could break a dish. And leave it there and leave a note that says this just wasn't washed therefore i broke it <laughs> i guess the softened startup would be uh the equivalent of kind of like stating what you kind of need right where you say something like oh i really you know i really need you know i i i know that you use the dishes a lot or you use the kitchen a lot but i would appreciate it if you you know uh or it it kind of like explaining how that that feels to them right like when the dishes are just piled up and messy uh, and they have a whole bunch of grime it feels this way to me which sounds a little bit judgmental i don't know is that exact yeah. ex exactly yeah. or am i like is there anything that i can make do to make that softer or should i add something to that i don't know right well yeah. it's definitely softer than what actually happened uh, but and in fact the other day now this is a uh, confession time, but like, uh, cause, cause our roommate came upstairs because I was being too loud, I guess. I was making a bunch of noise up there and he was on a phone call and he said, Paul, do you have your headphones in or something? Cause you're being really loud up here. And then I shot back. It's cause I've been washing your dishes for half an hour. <laughs> something like that. And yeah, well, I did apologize neither, later. Neither of those was a stop and start. No, right? like, you're true. being loud. That's That's, true. that's saying you're the problem here right <laughs> that's true. yeah because you know softened startup is is kind of like it, it's very much like the master's way of approaching uh doing criticism right where the disaster is like they make an attack like i had a problem and the problem when it comes down to it is you, <laughs> you know? where, whereas as you described viviana for for the masters it's yeah you're making a complaint but it's not an as a personal attack it's like Here's what happened. Here's how it affected me. Um, you know, can you please X, Y, Z, you know, or, or can we talk about it or whatever? Um, that That's very similar, I think, to the softened startup. Uh, Gottman in the video, he he talks about in his marriage, how you know, one thing that's been a problem sometimes is how he feels his wife isn't available emotionally when when he wants to, uh, you know, be affectionate, you know. And, and so he said he, he's learned that instead of telling her like, hey, you know, you spend too much time working and not enough time with me. What's you, wrong with you? What's yeah. wrong with you? Instead of that, he said like, hey, he said that he's found it more useful to say like, hey, I really enjoyed that la that time last week, you know, when we got to cuddle on the couch or whatever. You know, could we do more of that? Um, very honest, direct, but not an attack. Um, 
And, and he said, you know, that she responded like, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not now? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I think the most ideal soft start, and that's a good example of a soft startup. And I think another good example is you put on some soft music, give them some soft serve, and you say, hey. You, <laughs> you give them a pillow to lie on. You give them a soft pillow, and you start off with, hey, we're friends, right? And and then, and then they know what's coming. <laughs> Do they? Because I don't know what's coming. No. I don't know if you're about to kiss her or to break up with her. <laughs> you guys are so funny. Just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so stop and start up. It, it matters. I, I'm not very good at this, honestly. I uh, Some of this is my Chinese upbringing, my half Chinese upbringing. I... I for, I think for me, I'm I'm naturally kind of conflict avoidant, um, but I've learned I can't be healthy and my relationships can't be healthy if if I just accept that. So instead, I think I err too far in the other extreme sometimes, which is like I'm just going to be super direct and I try not to make an attack, but but sometimes I'm a little too it's a little too forceful. I think, um, um, you know. It's important not to attack the person, but it's also important not to like stress them out with like what feels like an ultimatum. <laughs> I think you're pretty good though. Once you, once both parties are kind of talking. About yeah, it. yeah. I mean, um, I, but I'll admit, I, in my in my mind, I do pride myself on being direct when maybe I also ought to develop more capacity to be a little more diplomatic when I'm broaching a, a difficult subject. Anyway. Yeah, I think something that ties into this is uh, Gaman's comments about the heart rate stuff, you know, because if you don't yeah. have a softened startup, uh, like if like if you do the thing that he talked about the first time, like you're not affectionate enough. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, and he talks about how, you know, we've uh, over the ages or whatnot, we've developed this uh, this like uh, negative reaction to that kind of stuff, which serves us well in some settings. It doesn't serve us well in uh in keeping relationships healthy. You're saying evolutionarily? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Like it helps us maybe stay alive in yeah. some ways. It doesn't help us maintain positive uh, relationships to some extent. So anyways, we talked about this earlier, I know in another episode, but uh, in there- Yeah, I was going to talk about it this time too. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Well, the Gottman research where they they were measuring people's heart rates while they were uh, having them discuss difficult topics, the thing that they disagreed yeah, this about. This is in the love labs. So. Yeah, in the love labs. And- um, and then they found that when their heart rate would go up, then above a hundred beats per minute. Yeah. Then it was like, they couldn't, they, you stop really hearing the other person kind of thing. Like you, That's right, you can't really, your body starts secreting adrenaline, your arteries constrict the blood flow and the blood volume, or excuse me, blood flow and, and pressure increase. Uh, and kind of our fight or flight instincts kick in. Yeah, exactly. And so in the lab, what they did was they, they were doing this trick where they would come in and they would say, Hey, we've got a problem when they would notice somebody's heart rate going above this level they would come in and say hey we've got a problem with our equipment can you guys actually stop talking about this for a second while we fix it yeah which like, was a lie <laughs> it was a lie and they like give them magazine. and then they'll come back they would wait and they would just they wouldn't go back until they saw their heart rate drop down below a certain level then they'd go back and say oh we fixed the problem you can go ahead and start talking about it again and then it would they would do a lot better like their sense of humor would be back they would be a little bit more lighthearted about it yeah. So anyways, the whole point was that if you're in a conflict situation and um, you notice that you're getting really, you know, kind of amped up and your heart rate's going up, stuff like that, that it's better to actually take a break, you know, and yeah. say like, I, I need a break. Like, I'm really 
you know, worked up about this. I need to take a break for a little bit. And, and it's important for the person to let you have that time. Yeah. Can yeah. I, um, I could relate to that this week. I had a student that was like jumping around everywhere and I was trying to get him to. In a fun way, in a party way. Jump around. <laughs> okay sorry go on yeah, he, was, he was he was supposed to be doing this like uh kind of like it was a first grader who was supposed to be doing a report and he wanted to jump around all the different chairs and even on the t tables and I just remember myself getting kind of frustrated and I realized okay I need to find that quiet spot within me that quiet you know kind of like energy within me and so I really quieted down and I got really calm and I got very clear you know slowly calmly clearly um I said to him I said to him okay I need you to sit I need you to sit down right here okay and he came and he sat and then I was like okay I need you to take the paper out okay he took the paper out and I said okay we're gonna do I need you to write my animal and so he wrote that and he was like really struggling with it and then the next thing I did was I took his, I, he was writing and I took my hand and I put it over his, over his hand to kind of like guide his handwriting. Cause he was still working on his penmanship and I helped guide him through the letters. And by the end, you know, he wrote maybe four sentences. That last one, he did a hundred percent by himself and it was like really good penmanship. And I just told him, Hey, when you're writing, you need to focus on that tip of the pencil so that you know you know so that you have really nice uh, handwriting and he just was like he went from like jumping around like a wild monkey to like really be like finishing his work and then he went back into the classroom and he went and he finished he like he was like coloring his project and he was trying to make it really pretty and it, that for me was a, a great moment um but it's all so because i found my quiet zen spot within a situation that ah. could have been, you know, distressing, but I chose to be calm. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was an example of how um, getting one's physiology calmer will help conflict, or if it was a story about why you deserve a race. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> Hilarious. Probably. Yeah. But, you know, for that, that physiology, it makes a difference when it comes to conflict yeah. or when it comes to actually sure. solving any sort of problem. Because if you're For not sure. in your own quiet Zen place, you're never going to solve any problem. Yeah, it's going to make things worse. And I have tested that. I didn't consciously, I didn't deliberately test it, but I found from experience that, yes, I'm bad at conflict when I'm worked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the research uh, was talking about how the couples who had domestic violence issues, they they wouldn't stop. You know, they yeah. the rates were at 110 beats per minute or higher. And they'd be like, I want to take I need to go or I need to get out of here. And they'd be like, no, you're not get back in here. And, you know, like they just wouldn't stop and they wouldn't take the break. But then he also reported that when he noticed that couples that were getting overheated when they would take that break, that it actually, they were able to be more creative and problem solving in their conflict. Go ahead. Was that in the, was that in the video? That was in uh, Gottman's research. Yeah. Uh, the video, the first video. Yes. Well, well, okay. So yeah, it was in the video. He's, he talks about how, well, it's slightly different. Oh, which, which oh. that's another point, which we'll go over to that now. Um, another thing that masters do um, in, in conflict that 
allows conflict to not be so bad and maybe lead to good outcomes is that masters accept influence. And so um, they, they found that the research on domestic violence in marriage, um, I mean, they learned about this from that research, which is that, um, you know, when there was, when there was uh, violence in the marriage, um, it was usually that the man wouldn't accept any influence from the woman. Oh, yeah. um, so it was both of these things were related to domestic violence. Because the one probably, was okay, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah the one Viviana was talking about too. I remember that yeah, one too. Sorry. Where... Uh, all, all I know is I remember from the video, um, rewatching it recently, that that this was a thing. So they they both might be true. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they both probably are true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they found that um, you know especially men especially struggle with this like accepting the influence of the other person um uh but yeah in in these marriages where there's domestic violence the man usually wasn't willing to accept influence and certainly wasn't willing to like give fondness or admiration either <laughs> you know so it's not surprising that this this is a bad relationship um you know that just uh, reminded me uh uh gordon v hinkley they asked him what do you what is your favorite hymn and he said, my favorite hymn is Be Thou Humble. Mm. And I, for me, I just, I'm like, that is just a really, really profound insight into how we should live our lives. Because if we can't be humble, then we can't have, we possibly can't have good relationships because we know better than the other person. We can't accept influence, we can't, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, it's yeah and I, this idea that there, there might always be a better way to do certain things in our lives. We just don't we just might not know it yet, you know? And I, that's really kind of a little bit of that attitude of humility that if we adopt that, we'll have that attitude so we can learn. But yeah, I definitely, I, I'm now beginning to see how humility ties in with all of this. Anyways, that's yeah. just a kind of a tangential, but common. No, that's good. I think it correlates. Anyways, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, cause you're right. I, it, being willing to accept the influence of another person that does require humility. You're right. And, um, you know, anytime we see like this, like statistical difference between genders, I think that to me, that's always very interesting. And so it's very interesting that this was something that was especially problematic for men. Uh, you know, Gottman said that women were usually like very willing to, to be influenced by another person. And I do think that goes to like, uh, you know, the difference difference in biology uh culture plays a part as well but yeah. uh, you know it's, it's not one or the other but um you know for for men it's <laughs> it, it's harder for us to accept the influence yeah. of another person i think it's very yeah. interesting gender expectations, uh, I, I, gender expectations you know for whatever reason the man is supposed to be tough and you know strong and i don't think it's just that i don't i, I think that's part of it yeah um I also think we're not as attuned, us men, we're not as attuned to, to what the group thinks, you know, wh whereas women are. Um, they don't care as much. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's yeah. not as important to us um, biologically, you know, if we, if, you know, we take it from an evolutionary perspective, like, you know, we're, we, we have more muscle mass, we're better equipped to hunt tigers <laughs> and mammoths, you know, um, so for better, for worse, we didn't uh have to rely as much on what the group thought about us anyway interesting tangent also <laughs> um but yeah anyway it, but accepting influence this is something that's important for navigating conflict um and on average men tend to be worse at it yeah but that's an inherent inherently 
related to humility, right? Like, yeah, you know, talking about, right? Yeah, if you're more humble, I mean, it, it is a, it does take humility to accept someone's influence or, yeah. you know, correction or whatever. Yeah. You know, and well, we we all have our uh, connections to Latin culture, but this is one thing I find very interesting about Latin culture is just the the existence of machismo, you know, right. and we don't have to get too much into this, but like. I don't think there's that humility among the men, right? And it's it's like it's it's not just biology there; it's definitely culturally accepted and maybe even encouraged. Uh, and it and at least the divorces, I've uh, I know too many uh, single, beautiful single Latinas uh, who were divorced, where one of the factors was a husband who was not willing to budge, you know, and not not willing, well. And I'm sure a part of that is, you know, they weren't willing to accept the influence of their woman who, you know, that's not done in Latin culture. You're the man. you got to take charge, right? Anyway. Well, yeah. and I think it's different amongst different Latin cultures. Uh, I'm sure. Maybe Mexico. I, I could see a little bit. But I will say that things are changing. Um, as a person who lived on the border, uh, I right. know. I uh, and my grandparents were immigrants from Mexico. I definitely see a change in like the more modern generation of men. There's things that we sure. know now that we didn't know back then, or there's so much yeah. that we've, so many discoveries that we we've made uh, in these last, you know, 30, 40 years in the social sciences and positive psychology that we yeah. didn't know anything about that, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So yeah. uh, things are changing. And so, yeah, yeah it, that, that's an exciting thing that things are getting better for every, you know, every, yeah. I guess, cultural group, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think another interesting thing to I mean, point we gotta out. We've got to keep this going, but go ahead. Sure. Another interesting point out is that Gaman talked about how um, even if you marry someone from your same culture, same religion, race and everything, it's still kind of like a merging of two cultures. Yes. You know, because you're yeah. still different. There's still going to be. And, some potential conflict that's inherent and just yeah. they're a different person. You know? Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Paul, because that, that was the last point I had to make, which is that, um, you know, another aspect of masters handling uh, conflict is that, or, or uh, maybe it's an outcome of handling conflict effectively is that you create more shared meaning together that, you know, kind of paradoxically, right. People who are able to engage in conflict, but do it in a constructive way, uh, it actually makes them closer together. You know, they're able to understand each other. It, it's an ex it's something they worked through together. Um, it's helped these two, this merging of these two, you know, micro cultures um, together in a way that's meaningful for both of them. And I, this is another reason why conflict avoidance is not good, right? Like if we yeah. never engage in the conflict, it prevents this kind of shared meaning from even developing. Um, yeah, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but in, there was a quote from Gottman where he said, when he was talking about your unresolvable conflicts, he said, keep working on your unresolvable conflicts. Couples who are demanding of their marriage are more likely to have deeply satisfying unions than those who lower their expectations. Yeah, that's right. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, so, so speaking of which, let's switch over to that. So, um, yeah, let's, that's kind of the overview of conflict. Uh, now we're going to talk about it in a little more detail. Right, Viviana? Yeah, my favorite mm. part, details. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
So, so go ahead. There's. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. well, we can talk about this repair attempts, right? Is that what we were going to? Yeah, gonna repair attempts. Do you want to? Repair do you want to go, Paul, or do you want? Well, I, I guess. We, how would you define? So we were talking a little bit about these repair attempts. Most of them sound. What is us. a repair attempt, Paul? Yeah, well, most of them sound like uh, it's when you're in. Most of them sound like it's when you're in the middle of a conflict, and the conflict's going bad. And then you try to kind of get it back going in a good direction. And so they have, there's like uh, six types of repair t attempts where one of them is I feel statements. Uh, another one is I need to calm down statements. Another one is a sorry statement. Another one is getting to yes statements. And then there's a stop action statements and an I appreciate statements. So these, these are so, in a conflict, these are attempts to. Uh, to control Z if we've handled things poorly so far. Yeah, he says, yeah. like we were talking before, every relationship has arguments. These are these are important and or and are critical to succeeding in arguing. In other words, having some kind of good outcome from the argument. So an I feel statement, for example, is I'm feeling defensive. Could you rephrase that? I'm feeling scared. Please say that more gently. Oh, see, that takes emotional intelligence, which is to say yeah. an awareness of your own emotional state in the moment. Um, right. My inner defender is feeling threatened. Sure. You know, um, I need to calm down statements and stuff like, I need things to be calmer now. I need your support right now. Can I take that back? Um, like Bryce talked about earlier, or maybe that was on the earlier episode. Um Sorry statement. My reaction was too extreme. Sorry. Let me try again. I can see my part in this. Getting to yes is, oh, you're starting to convince me. I agree with part of what you are saying. 1%, a, a very small part. Just kidding. Um, or, <laughs> or, I, I, or, hey, no sarcasm in your uh, bid for connection, okay? It's true. It's probably a bad idea to put sarcasm in a repair attempt. Um, or like, I think your point of view makes sense. Stop action statement. This is what we were talking about earlier, where sometimes if you're, especially if your blood's starting to boil and your yeah, heart pump is racing, you say, please let's stop for a while. Can I have just a minute? I'll, I'll be back. You know, let's take a break. And um, these, those turn down the temperature. Um, again, in the yes statements, the here where you're actually starting to turn to their point of view, like, okay, I see what you're saying. You're starting to convince me. Those tend to lead to agreement and harmony. Anyways, the last one, the appreciate statements i love you i know that this isn't your fault the one thing that i admire about you is and, the, and then these are things that soften they remind the they remind both of you of your appreciation for each other and stuff yeah those are important but i mean they're all important um but uh you know this is like the communication aspect of conflict and it, it is important right like yeah say, saying nothing when maybe you should you know, there's some people who oversimplify conflict and just say, oh, communication's everything, you know, in a relationship, communication's everything. They're right that it's an, a huge part of it, but um, but what we communicate matters a lot too, you know? It's, it's kind of like, okay, you told me the, you told me the what, but tell me now, show me the how. And I, I feel like yeah. these, that's what these repair attempts do. They show us the how. If you, uh, you know, if you offended your spouse or your you could say okay well let me try this again or i could see my part in yeah. it. i think that would be really um but and then okay so back to um 
what we were talking about earlier about accepting influence. Could you, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you won't even accept a person's repair attempt to try to repair the information, uh, repair the relationship, you know, how could you possibly have a strong relationship? And I think that's another reason why yeah. humility and just accepting influence is really important. And they actually sure. found that it was more important that the man accepted influence than the woman. We said that already, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's just really, really fascinating. I mean, not more important because more, more important because men are less likely uh, to, to already be accepting of it. Right. Like it's important that both of the others influence, but it's just that by by the numbers, men are usually less inclined. Yeah. um, Well, and that goes along with the research that says, according to the big five theory, that says that men are more likely to be higher in disagreeable personality. Well, or lower in agreeableness. Lower in agreeable or higher in agreeableness. That's right. Women women are consistently, well, on average, higher on agreeableness. Yeah. Right. And I think kind of what what we were talking about earlier is... Which, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, there's pros and cons of that, right? That's not a good or bad thing. It's just how things are. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think like we were talking about earlier, you know, earlier when we were talking about solvable solvable versus unsolvable problems, like the thing is this conflict is just going to happen, you know, in every relationship. And in some of these things, especially these problems that are unsolvable, um, you, these these conversations are going to, they're not going to necessarily end in uh, some great resolution for everybody. Uh but so it's an, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I guess these are attempts to not have gridlock, to try to talk about things civilly. Um, and, you know, even, even if it's something where there's gridlock, you know, or if it's like a perpetual problem, uh, th- these things still can help. And, you know, if there's a way to get out of the gridlock, they might help you get it out of it. Yeah. They're, they're um, kind of, they're kind of small examples of like how, uh repentance and forgiveness are relevant in a relationship right yeah. like it it's not like a relationship shouldn't be doomed if we made a mistake right Absolutely. it a mistake or if, or if we've made several right or many um that shouldn't necessarily mean oh it's over you know that's um this is not how we should do things it's not realistic um that being said you know if we've erred then we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to, uh, you know, apologize and we try, need to try to make things better. And the other person, you know, they need to forgive. They need to be willing to accept a sincere attempt to make things better. And so this is kind of like, this is where the rubber meets the road with those, with those principles. Absolutely. Like I, I, I was thinking about how, when, when Gauman talked about how there's solvable problems that are easy things, they're situational things. They don't have deeper meaning or, think, or underlying issues, you know, like, like. And th- these, are, these are drawn not from that video. These are drawn from uh, his other book. What's it, or one of his other books. What's it called? Uh, the Relationship Tier, Five Steps. The Relationship, or, yeah. Yeah, Five Steps so like, Guide to Strengthening mar- strengthening Your Marriage, Family, and Friendships. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, so go Talks about how, like, there's solvable problems that, you know, for some, for one couple, this might be things like house cleaning, child discipline, in-laws, sex, but, but he, he does point out at that, 
you know, what what is a solvable problem for one couple it might be the perpetual problem or the gridlock problem of another couple. Yeah, it just depends on the couple. Um, but perpetual problems are things that are like based on your personality differences, lifestyle needs, you know. Um, these are problems that tend to come up over and over again. Gridlock perpetual problems are are perpetual problems that have been mishandled and have calcified into something uncomfortable so that you, yeah. you spin your wheels and you get nowhere. There maybe are hidden underlying dreams, underlying agendas, issues kind of thing. And he, and he talks about, and th this is why I think it's, it's a, it's very uh, relevant. This, like these repair attempts and stuff we were talking about when he talks about overcoming gridlock, he says, keep working on them, you know, um, which is like, you might be working on some of these things for like decades, you know, and you might have to talk about them and just keep trying to figure things out, you know, and, and so arguing in a constructive way is useful. Yeah, and I'm of the opinion that it's not like literally decades are required to come to a better situation. It, it's it, that it might take time for you both to figure out how to handle this situation. And a lot of that has to do with your own like willingness, I think, right? I think, was it Joseph Smith who said that like, we can repent as fast as, Maybe I'm conflating Joseph Smith and, and Abraham Lincoln. Or, or Jingle and Kimmel. Or maybe, but I, th I think Joseph Smith, it, whoever said this, or if, they, or if they even said it, I think this is true. Um, that like, <laughs> boy, I really made that, this an impotent this statement. But, but I think it's true that like, really it's about our willingness to do things differently. And sometimes it, it's gonna, it, it only takes time for that to happen because of our own willingness, I think. So if we were willing immediately, just like that, to like, okay, I'm gonna make a big change on this, like then maybe that's all that's sufficient, you know? It's not necessarily gonna require decades, but it could. Yeah, if you're smart about it, like if, yeah. you, if you actually followed Dobbin stuff, you probably would get to a resolution exactly. faster. Exactly. Some of the things he, some of the other things he talks about about getting past gridlock is, uh, I like this word, be a dream detective, you know, try to figure out what is it, what is the underlying, like Viviano was talking about last episode, try to be good at figuring out like, what is the underlying thing that's really yeah. important to you here um, in, a, in a kind way, um, you know, explaining your positions without criticism or blame, you know, yeah. and then trying to soothe each other. You know, he says gridlock is stressful. Uh, like we yeah. talked about earlier, if you feel flooded, take a break. There's no rush. By the way, flooded you know. is is the term they use in the literature about when your physiology physiology physiological state, um, you know, gets into fight or flight. It's that it's that you become flooded, um, you know. And and what they're trying to conjure there is that, you know, all reason and healthy engagement has been swept away like a mm -hmm. flood, or or that your system is flooded with these chemicals, which are making you, yeah. Um, prepared to to fight a bear but not to <laughs> right. uh, skillfully handle negotiate an interpersonal uh, conflict <laughs> you got too many issues speaking of bears um, he says one of the things he he points out is that to some extent there there sometimes has to be acceptance that some problems are, are going to be unsolvable at least yeah. for the foreseeable future and he says in those situations your your purpose in talking about them may not be to solve them necessarily, but what he what he calls to declaw the issue, which is uh, removing the hurt, so it's causes less pain. He says this might include things like 
both of you defining things you can't yield on, yeah. defining areas that you can be flexible on, and then trying to reach temporary compromises that take both of your dreams and feelings into account. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, I yeah. just want to say also, I think it's so important that when we're dating and when we're looking for someone to marry, it's so important to think about how they would react or just, well, try to even have as much conflict as possible within the first few years. I think it was uh, Jordan Peterson who said, you know, something like that. But I think it's important to kind of have these conflict conflicts because you can kind of see where, you know, where are the sore spots in, in our relationship? What is, what is yeah. it that my spouse is really sensitive about and why? And, yeah. But I, I think it's also important to realize like, hey, you know, I, so many people get married and they don't even know who they're marrying. Like, let's just be yeah. honest. That, or, that to or, me is a scary, scary idea. Yeah. Um, so I think it's so important to, I mean, to just see, you know, like things that I'm learning now about repair attempts, like, okay, would they take my repair attempt? Would they how are they going to, you know, when we have some sort of conflict, how are they going to deal with it? And it's kind of scary, you know, if you're with someone who's just not willing to even accept, you know, your repair attempt, or I think that right there to you should be a, some sort of a, I guess, red flag or trigger or whatever saying, you know, telling you it's a piece of vital information that's telling you that if they can't do this now, chances are they might not be able to do that later. Right. Absolutely. Um, doesn't mean that you should just drop them without a conversation, but right. but it doesn't bode well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're just about done. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Let's do final thoughts. Um, go for it, Bryce. You got a final thought? I don't have a final thought yet. Um. Well, yeah. I just think it's important to talk about things. I I can relate to a lot of this stuff. Me too. I feel like when I. I I kind of like to argue things out in conflict situations because I do tend to get around to these repair statements once I hear myself arguing for long yeah. enough and yeah. realize that I'm wrong. I usually do some of these things kind of naturally. Like I I usually do kind of start backtracking and saying, okay, look, I probably was a little extreme when I said that. And, and ladies, you know, that's why Paul's going to make a good husband someday. <laughs> Another thing that helps me calm down is celestial seasonings to eat. Celestial <laughs> Thank you for your sponsorship. Okay. For your future sponsorship. Just, just to be clear, the celestial seasonings tea. So he's talking about a tea here. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Herbal, herbal tea. tea. Yeah. Herbal tea. Anyways, that's my final thought. You can relate to this, and tea helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking about the tea, but I do drink a lot of herbal yeah. tea. Viviana, do you have a final thought? Um. Yeah, it's just that. Uh, we should try like all these things, the soften startups, the repair attempts, the actually identifying your triggers and communicating and saying, Oh, you know what? I got pissed off because this is what I was feeling. I, I think it's a good thing for people to even like share their dream. I think if you are willing to share the dream within the conflict, people are also likely to be like, well, yeah, that if you are able to identify, like, what is the metaphor for your conflict like why is this so symbolic for you uh the your other partner is equally likely to also maybe you know do the same and i think it's important to be very careful about who you marry you know i don't know yeah. I, there's been so many thoughts that i've had during this podcast because i'm like going back and thinking about situations in my life and 
um, yeah, it's conflict is it's real. And I think we should try to have, I'm not trying to suggest that you should try to have as much conflict as possible within dating, but it's a good thing to have conflict when you're dating because yeah, at least if you have conflict while you're dating, you're at least more likely to see what, what they might respond in, in real, in a real marriage. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I agree. And, you know, my final thoughts are that, uh, again, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? It's, this is not con conflicts in a relationship, whether it's marriage or dating or even family. It's not an aberration that should cause you to want to jump ship immediately, necessarily. Uh, the, the existence of conflict shouldn't shouldn't be that that red flag. It's you know whether whether they're willing to willing or able to handle it in a way that's constructively. That's where the red flag ought to show up. Um, but but people also need to be given a chance, as well as a lot of training, honestly, which we don't get almost anywhere, except this podcast. But we need to be trained on on how to do this effectively. Um, yeah, and you know, I just to think practice this like, yeah, it's not something that we're just going to listen to once and just like do it. We have to practice exactly. it over and over. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, and that's one of my big thoughts, too, is just like, boy, because, you know, I'm always thinking about this from the lens of like, how can we help people escape singleness and have and not only escape singleness, but escape it into a relationship that's actually good and that's not going to end in divorce. Right. <laughs> um, and. Um, it, it's an uphill battle. It's a necessary uphill battle, but it's an uphill battle. And, um, you know, it, at the very least, it starts with people getting some good information. Um, but yeah, then, and then we got to put it, put it to work. Um, and yes, in, in our dating, starting with our dating. Oh, anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Sounds like a good, good uh, way to end. So thanks everybody for joining us. Oh yeah. And uh, next time we'll be talking about something other than Goblin's research. Probably. But something amazing. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see you next time.